Welcome everyone to the Game Vault Podcast. I'm your host, Tom Schuster, and joining me tonight are Mark Myers and special guest, Jonathan McHugh. Tonight we'll be discussing xCloud and its impact on future gaming and reviewing our retro roulette game Soul Calibur for the Sega Dreamcast. But before we get to that, what have you guys been playing? Let's start with Jonathan since he's our guest tonight. Hey, so um, I have been, as of today, I have been playing Ghost of Tsushima, or as I prefer to call it, the thing that's a lot easier to say is goat sashimi. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I, I've been playing that, and I have a fun story. Well, I have a long story about why I decided to get that. Um, well, I, I don't know if it's actually that fun. So last weekend, I was wanting to play a game while listening to podcasts. So I wanted something that didn't have a lot of narrative, just had a bunch of stuff for you to do that's engaging, but not like taking all of my attention. Mm-hmm. And um, I was racking my brain, trying to think about what kinds of games would fit that bill. Um, and then I saw a friend playing Far Cry, and I was like, oh, yeah, that's what open world games are. That's why they exist. <laughs> <laughs> the whole point that's of them is that they take forever, and you don't have to think about it that much. Um, so I started playing Far Cry, and then there was a bunch of Ubisoft stuff, um, a bunch of news that came out about Ubisoft, and them stepping in, like, every landmine yeah. they possibly could. Um, <laughs> it was bad. <laughs> so, yeah, so that's really soured me on Far Cry. Um, and so I, on Monday, I was thinking, man, I wish there was a different open world game, preferably one with, like, action game combat, like hack and slash kind of combat, mm-hmm. instead of being a shooter. And then my dad said, hey, are you playing Ghost of Sushi? of Tsushima and I said no dad obviously not that's not out yet because <laughs> um, he'd seen an ad and he was like yeah it's a, it looked like a game where you have a samurai sword and that seemed cool he's my not dad wrong does not play video games. yeah my dad does not playing video games but two things about this one that is not new for video games this is not the first video game where you have a, a sword <laughs> second thing is it was an ad so it definitely had when the game comes out and I don't yeah. believe him that that was not there. <laughs> um, anyways, so he mentioned that, and I and um, I knew that the reviews were coming out on Tuesday, and so I had not looked into it at all. I did not care about it. On Tuesday, all the reviews came out, and one of um, I saw a negative review that said um, the reviewer was not that into it because they don't like um, games that are just like a long checklist of stuff for you to do and also because the um game put them off because it seems like it's really really heavily catering to white dudes who like samurai movies <laughs> the thing is i am a white dude who you likes samurai, samurai movies, movies. <laughs> <laughs> and so you, you, you fit that that bill pretty well yeah so um i that that seemed really promising and then i looked up um uh there's a youtuber who does a lot of let let's plays that i like Fighting Cowboy, and his review of the game was, um, you you better talk to your doctor because you're going to have an erection lasting more than four hours. <laughs> so, yeah. So anyways, um, I was playing that before uh, I hopped on this call, and I'm going to be doing that this weekend. Um, That's awesome. Yeah, I think everything that I said so far sums up about how I feel about it. Well, yeah, it's... It is all of those things that I said. Those it is as advertised. It is clearly for 
white people who like who thinks that samurai are really cool and also um it is good um intense action game combat but nowhere near as complex as like well nowhere near as demanding as something like sekiro yeah, well, it's, so, I, yeah the, it's, uh, it's it's not a souls game yeah the, uh, um it, oh, so that's a complex statement it <laughs> is it is relatively easy to die if you get hit by multiple enemies at once okay. um but so so fighting cowboy is a specifically a souls like does souls like let's plays mm-hmm. um that's like his whole thing and so he was really liking this because parries are important but they are easy to do um dodging is important it's incredibly important you not get hit all that stuff i think that's what you mean when you say souls like but it right. is not souls like in the it is not a souls like game it does okay. not have any of the characteristics of a souls like game yeah outside of that those parts of combat um yeah the the funny thing i heard about it is that they tried to get a little artsy with the black and white mode but then apparently like midway through the game they're like color coded um things you need to follow yes. so the black and white mode does not work <laughs> in those cases um i also saw somebody who really likes japanese tv shows and cinema and stuff um this is manovsky article on twitter um posted a screenshots of a kurosawa movie from uh not that's not in black and white and it's got amazing use of color and stuff and the thing that people are praising about ghost of tsushima about the amazing use of color that is in those kurosawa movies yeah (laughs) if you which is to say if you don't use kurosawa mode it is more like a kurosawa movie yeah yeah yeah, that that's the one thing of people that i've read and listened to that like it that are just like it's it's just like not needed. Like, yeah. <laughs> like I don't know what they were going for. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. I, I've been I've been thinking about picking it up, but I'm sort of you know picking my battles with what to. I don't want to get sucked into something too long term. Um, yeah. Right now, but um, yeah. The, I'm glad to hear that you know that that it is that kind of mindless game because that would be a reason to pick it up maybe when it goes on sale or something like that for me um, to have later in the year when I have more time off from work. Um, um yeah. right, right now there is a lot of narrative but i'm still fairly early and so i'm expecting it to become to yeah. be less story driven later on yeah have you I'm played just, anything I'm, else or has it just been samurai samurai i think i've talked long enough okay. <laughs> you, you could talk as long as you want that's why we're here <laughs> wait until you get to my turn um <laughs> yeah so yeah i'm it, just glad it, i'm just glad it's not a flop after that whole huge thing that sony did for this game what was that three years ago at e3 was that the one where they had the moving sets and stuff the the moving sets and the dude yeah. playing the flute and all that all that pomp yeah. and circumstance for this yeah, game it looks like both of those games two of those games turned out well yeah um, yeah so yeah, <laughs> you, you want to i said I'll, you want to go right into <laughs> yeah i'll just move into um you know on my side um well, first, I'll talk about the PC games I've been playing. Um, outside of the ones that you've seen me stream, um, you know, Trails of Trails of, Trails in the Sky, um, we did Warzone and Modern Warfare, you know, Truck Simulator, all that stuff, Civilization. Um, right before this stream, I, I picked up Papers, Please again. Um, and I made the joke that I was just preparing myself for future America um, as I was deciding who and who cannot come into this country. Uh, but that game is real good. Um, because it looks simple, but it is so complicated in what you have to pay attention to and little minor details 
Like, you're trying to do enough passports to get through to be able to make money, you know, so you can keep your heat on in your apartment um, and stuff like that. But you also need to be really looking for things. Um, So it, it gets it gets it gets pretty complicated later as you go in the game and you're trying to at least get 10 or 11 people through. But you got to check all these little details. Um, it's a pretty fun game. Uh, I haven't played it since it first came out. So now, interesting. Mark, I don't remember. Can you get like paid by um, like not extremist groups, but like revolutionaries? Yeah, you can get to, like let to yeah. to let certain people through and stuff. Yeah, my favorite one. There's multiple endings, so there's no real spoiling this. Um, at one point, like a spy for your country is trying to sneak back in and they're trying to find out who is chasing them. So he mm-hmm. gives you right papers and wrong papers, and then the person chasing him comes up, and you have the choice of giving him which one. Um, and he gives you a bribe anyway, no matter which one you give. Okay. So I'm assu- I don't know if you get more money. I gave him the wrong papers. Um, but yeah, Just see what like would that. happen. Yeah. <laughs> it's fun. Like they have choices. Like a guy comes up and he's through fine, but his wife comes up and doesn't have the paperwork needed. Now, do you send her through and get a violation, or do you, you know, stamp her and and let her go, uh, like send her back. Yeah. Um, so it's little things like that. There's, you know, you know, there's a sex trafficker that you can either let through or arrest. There's a guy accused of murder that you can do the same thing. Um, you know, just that's why there's all these different endings with it. But it's just the, I just like the complication of it in that you have to, there's like a, a height scale when they walk in. They're, they're on a scale, so you got to check their weight and height and things. And then, you know, they have gender on their, um, ID, you check that, and if it looks off, and then you do a, you know, I mean, it was a game made way before, you know, uh, you know, the whole, you know, a transgender stuff, you know, people start being sensitive to that in games, so. Yeah, um, I'm, I mean, but, I've, I've heard, I've heard yeah. people getting so into this game, like, they'll have two screens set up, one screen's got all the, all the stuff, all, like, their, yeah. their stuff set up, so what they need to match to, and they, they try to do as fast as they can, and, yeah, you can get really into it. Um, I think the easiest way... Um, I'll let you continue. Just, I just want to follow that statement up first. No, um, the, uh, if you start memorizing the names of towns in, in the countries and all that, you can go a lot faster because you can just knock off that one check. Um, so having that second screen works for a lot of those cases. But also repetitive play lets you memorize things. Um, and what else were people doing? Yeah, like they either had they had like their their notebook with their their list of places that they can let through their their stamps their different stamps and stuff. Um, I forget what the like the, there was another like specific thing that they had to watch out for that they they would just line all those things up on the second screen to make sure they had it, they had it ready to go. Try to yeah. try to get as many people through that line as possible because isn't it? performance based too the more yeah, you get you money get depending on how many people you get through yeah 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 and but yeah so i just playing that literally right before we start it um but the main thing i've been playing um the past uh, couple weeks is because i had to download um uh you know for soul caliber and stuff perfectly legal dreamcast system um to play <laughs> that um i played some virtual tennis realized that i don't really remember how to play that it took me a while to remember um but then i downloaded um, or purchased the PS2 um, again and was just playing a bunch of sports games on there and realizing that some of the sports games on there, while simple in terms of graphics, um, felt more fun than the later versions. 
Did I play like I played NCAA? I think it was either 06 or 11 because I downloaded both of them. Um, and it just felt better than even playing 14 mm-hmm. um, because um, just the pomp and circumstance around it. Because you know, not having to be as realistic, they could get a little couple extra things like the studio and all that, and uh, Corso putting on the head and dumb things like that. Um, yeah, I mean, what I think my favorite ncaa game is like oh five or oh four it's like one of the last ones where you can play where like if you do the um create a character you actually play the whole team and you don't just play the one character i forget what year it was but yeah Yeah. those older games i feel like they got away with way more than what when they just became madden clones yeah and then i also played ncaa uh basketball um oh nine the last one for ps2 and somehow I was like, oh, let me let me try to be Penn State, and you know they're in a tough conference, and see what I can do. Of course, the team sucked then, so I got my ass kicked simulating. <laughs> um, but apparently, I got like a violation from the NCAA, even though I was spending all my players when they got, you know, academic violations, because that was in that game, um, you know. <laughs> um, but but they still punished me, and I'm like, fuck this, and I just I didn't play it. Anymore. Um, that's a, that's a buzzkill for you. They were just like, really? I was like, I was literally suspending these kids, following your rules. But that's the NCAA. That is. That's a whole. Um, that's a whole other podcast. <laughs> yes, it is. Um, yeah, so I've been just playing a bunch of sports games like that. Um, you know, I grabbed that Code Veronica for Dreamcast. Um, I have it for PlayStation Two um, and played it through on both before. I don't know why I downloaded it. Um, you know, again, but you know, I'm really looking or to, you know, just finding, um, you know, stuff to play, you know, sort of fill the time in the summer between. I'm more looking forward to the things I stream to play more than the actual games I'm playing off stream. Oh, yeah. and the one other game I played is a Ubisoft game. I uh, downloaded Trackmania, um, that dumb racing game uh, on there. It's not even like it's like basically time trials um, on tracks. Uh, is it is it pretty much like um, trials? whatever the newest one is trials rising i guess is the newest one like with the motorcycle no 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 it's kind of like it but it's like racetracks and you you race up against um you know it's different kinds of courses it's none of that funny stuff that comes with trials Mm -hmm. you know um this is more like you do the tracks there you some have ice on them some are clay so you can drift better um you know things like that Mm mm-hmm and people put loops in and different kind of things to speed up your car or turn off your engine, you know, and stuff like that. Um, the big, the big, it's free to play uh, if you just want to play the tracks they put out. But the big um, draw of Trackmania, um, uh, which I learned got through osmosis of, uh, you know, uh, Giant Bomb, uh, is that they do like the servers that you can make, create your own courses and mm-hmm. put your own music in. Um so there's this course called uh, Star Wars Metallica, which That's, I don't that know. Sounds, that I don't sounds know. like my perfect place, Mark. Yeah, and all, all it is is essentially it's just, well, you're going to hate this part. Oh. It's just real. It's got Star Wars and Metallica stuff like on the stage. But like the music in the background, like it's got multiple tracks. Some of them uh, you go through and it's like dubstep um, oh of, of like Metallica songs. And it's just it's really dumb and stupid. Like, there's this thing called, like, the Obi-Wan cam. You go into this one turn, and it pulls out, and the camera starts shaking. Um, it's a, it's dumb shit, and it's it's real fun. Um, I haven't been, I haven't purchased, you, you can purchase, like, a yearly thing or whatever. It's, like, subscription-based. 
oh, okay. get it on all that stuff. But it's real cheap if you just go for the basic. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to do like that stuff, you know, you got to get the, the club thing, the more expensive uh, to be able to import your own stuff and all. But to be able to play all that stuff, you just have to be basic as far as I know. I could be wrong. Correct me on our Twitter. Um, <laughs> Reach out to yeah. Twitter, uh, at GameVolPod, if you want to get all um, So, yeah, that's about all I've been playing. You know, just basically, in my mind, I am just counting down the days until Cyberpunk. Yep. So. What's the release date at now? November something. Okay. Yeah, I guess I'm counting down the days, too. Well, kind of. It, if, I can, if I can get over this gaming hump that I've been stuck on forever, I feel yeah. like. <laughs> so I failed in my quest to finish um to to finish a game. I didn't finish a game. I came close. Uh I mostly have been playing Breath of the Wild. Um I've got I've gotten through all of the the beasts, gotten the master sword. Uh I'm basically just running around um the village trying to like do as many things as possible before I go and fight Ganon because I know once I do that, I am never. Co- I'm probably never coming back to this game, just for the mere length of time that I that it's taken me to get through all the way through this. Yeah. game. I bought it pretty much when it came out, and that was what four years ago, three years ago. Three years, probably at this point. So it's that's how long it's taken me to get through this game. It it happens. And ha- listen, it took me fifteen to twenty years to beat Legend of Dragoon. So. <laughs> It's it's just the way I play games. I don't I I just don't like binge them because I know when I sit down to play like the next time it's probably going to be one of those sessions where I'm playing for three hours and I'm just going to finish the game no matter what because that's that's basically what I do. Like I'll dance around it for a couple of play sessions and then I'll go all right I just got to finish this and it'll take me way longer than I expect to finish it because that happened to me with Final Fantasy 15. Um, because I, I got to like I got to chapter thirteen in Final Fantasy fifteen. I was like, oh, I heard that this was like the the last part portion of the game. I'm just gonna keep playing tonight until I'm done. Little did I know it was four hours later, and I finally beat the game. But I I was delirious because I didn't realize how long I had to actually play to get all the way through it. Yeah, yeah. The uh, um, with that we all have games like that. Like I finally beat Final Fantasy eight when Sandy hit. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, I mean, was that it, 2010, 2011? Yeah. Um, so, you know, you always have that game that you got, um, I found that I was like three quarters of the way through with my original save, uh, on PS1, but yeah, have, and I'm assuming no Final Fantasy 3 slash 6? No, I, did, I didn't even touch it because I was like, I gotta focus. Yeah. It still didn't help because I ended up, there was a huge Xbox sale. And I had like credits from searching on Bing randomly. Uh, I I I got a Ubisoft game for some reason. We all bought Ubisoft games right when we should not have. Yeah. Uh, I bought Trials Rising. So I was I was I started to play that, and then I got really pissed off because for whatever reason, Trials Rising like the load times in Trials Rising are ridiculous. Like yeah. minutes, minutes in between thing in in between like the track. And getting to the menu and then getting back to a track, it it was just like I can't I can't deal with this. So yeah. I played like four or five levels and I was like, all right, I can't do it anymore. I because I, I was just trying to look for something to, that I didn't have to think about 
while I wasn't playing Zelda, but you know, uh, best laid plans. Uh, but I did also pick up, well, not pick up, but I downloaded Halo 3 Master Chief Collection because okay. I have Game Pass Ultimate. I downloaded it for PC because I wanted to see how it worked, and my God, it's beautiful. Um, if you have Game Pass Ultimate, I highly recommend picking up Halo 3 because it looks great, sounds great, and it runs it runs great too. I like I I I it sounds like I'm just gushing over this game, but it's Halo 3. It's one of the best games of all time, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, unless if you're trying to play I, it during a 24-hour stream. Yeah. And then you just sprint towards the exit and beat all the part times. <laughs> I wanted to add that um you can also just get Game Pass just for PC, and it's like five dollars a month except their deals are all broken so you can get it for a dollar for a month or like for your first month but then you can cancel it and then get it again for a dollar for your first month um Jesus. that's what i've been doing just gaming the system over there don't tell anybody yeah just just <laughs> Sorry, split up just... buying computer parts and you can get three months for each time you do it uh, he's already doing that mark I know we've so, we've sucked it we've sucked them in. Go ahead, Jonathan. You tell them, tell us all about it. I have a story about that too. Okay, <laughs> so I, a while ago I said, Tom, do you have spare computer parts that I um or a spare computer I can use for emulators? And um so he gave me something that was fairly good. So I I booted up and I look at the specs and I compare them to modern games and I was like, this is like right immediately under the recommended specs for a lot of games that I care about. And so then I was like, if I only upgrade the hard drive, then it should be great. And so I did that. And then there was a problem with the power supply. So I get a new power supply and I'm like, well, this is the same place that makes the graphics card I was looking at. So I might as well order that at the same time. <laughs> so I got a new power supply and a graphics card. And then um, I was playing Demon Souls on... Um, uh, PS3 emulator and there's a you can or as of like last December you can now emulate Demon Souls at 4k and 60 fps um, so I turn and they're like yeah it should be fine as long as you have like a um, a decent processor and graphics card and stuff so I um, set it do all the stuff to set it to do 60 fps and I get about I get reliably get 30 fps in demon souls but it sometimes drops down to like 20 okay. and so i'm looking at my um at the statistics for like what's running and it's not my graphics card is like barely turned on um to get demon souls at 30 fps but my cpu is almost maxed out yeah. so now i'm thinking about getting a new processor as well <laughs> <laughs> and yeah uh, and, and my wife is not happy about any of this <laughs> that's 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 the best part about getting into this is I've always watched it from afar because I've never known someone like Tom that knew how to do all this stuff. Um, I had like a neighbor down the street in like old PCs, like in the early nineties and all that, that came and made it run, you know, cheaply enough. Um, but yeah, so I upgraded my stuff and, you know, then my computer started crashing and overheating um, with my new graphics card. And, and I was like, Tom, what do I have to do to stop this? And then next thing I know, there's like six things in the game vault, shad of all processors and motherboard. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's, it's a slippery slope, my it's friend. A hole. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But um, I'm glad I did it because I was definitely looking at what next gen might be. Um, I am definitely not going to next gen right away, like PS5X, you know, Series X. So having a, a computer that's good enough that can 
run games at worst at 1080p, you know, um, and, you know, I'm not a snob, like, it needs to be 4K, um, so if I can keep that going, worst case would be in, like, two years, deciding between either upgrading the console or getting, you know, upgrading the graphics card, they'll probably be the same amount of money at that point. Um, yeah, and your processor will still be good enough, so that's the beauty yeah. of it. Yeah, so... Oh, by the way, Jonathan, before we go too far away from it, don't buy a processor just yet because AMD is going to release a whole bunch of stuff within months, and that will probably knock the prices of everything down. So just hold off a little longer. I know, I know it's tough because we see we see all these. Listen, I'm on a I'm on a Reddit subreddit called Build a PC Sales. It's the dumbest thing I've ever done. Because I just go on it daily and just look up deals every day going, oh, I could totally get that. Oh, that's a great price. But I don't need it. I don't need any <laughs> of this stuff. So I mean, I'm, I'm mostly joking about the new processor because I, I'm fine with the 30 FPS. And then the other game that I was playing recently was Bayonetta 1 mm-hmm. on PC. So uh, I don't, I'm not, I'm not actually pushing this computer very hard. Yeah, I mean... I, it, it can run games from 2009. That's, I mean, if and if that's all you want it to do, that's that's beautiful. That's it. You don't. It doesn't need to be like running games at 4K, like Mark. No, no, that's Jen. <laughs> I'm fine with 1080. <laughs> but Mark likes to show off and stream things in 4K every once in a while. Like Merc and Truck Simulator. That's right. 4K. <laughs> the monitor I'm using is actually a 720p TV, so. <laughs> That's that's another reason that um man performance really goes up when you're under 1080p resolution yeah. on everything. Yeah. Well yeah, because everything's so geared to 1080p. Like if you bump it down to like 900 or 768 or 720, yeah. you get huge gains in all frame rates and everything else. Mm-hmm. It's it's really amazing how much of a difference it is. Yeah. All right. Well, I, I guess that drives us right into our topic. Pretty much. So we're talking about dialing things down a bit. Xbox is kind of dial things down to something that'll fit in your pocket. Uh, they just announced uh, recently that xCloud is going to be a part of Game Pass Ultimate. Um, and I just thought, man, that's genius. Why, why didn't I think of that before? So to explain, xCloud is basically a streaming service that allows you to play xbox or pc titles on your cell phone you stream it from the cloud it works somewhat like stadia does but as far as i have seen in demos and things it works works a lot better um but it right now it allow it will allow you to stream these games to your android device and use an actual xbox controller to control the games so you're not really losing any any functionality, like playing things on your phone, usually does. It's usually a touchscreen interface, and it's crap. But um, as of right now, you can use a... They, they actually make like a, a clip that goes on an Xbox controller, and you can stick a phone in it, and you're playing a, an Xbox game. Uh, right now, I, as, as I would imagine, you can only play over uh, Wi-Fi, or if you have a connection that's 10 megabits down on... So I would imagine that's 4G or 5G. I'm not sure which speeds are capable of 10 megabits down. Um, but generally, any Wi-Fi connection right now 
will support that. Um, and I just got to thinking, man, this might be the future of gaming. Um, just because it's so portable and you're still getting the same experience um, without, you know, having to have a console. You, you don't even have to own an Xbox to do this. And I was just curious about what you guys thought about this. I know we've got some different perspectives and I'm wait, waiting with bated breath to hear about it. Yeah, so uh, my first thought on this is, um, are we even, is, is the Stadia going the way of the Ouya with this <laughs> deal that's happening right now? Um, because the fact that just take the yearly rate for Game Pass and the amount of games you get for that to play on your phone and compare it to what you pay for Stadia and then still have to purchase games in some cases on top of that, um, if this works, it's going to kill Stadia. Um, yeah, uh, I think we all kind of saw that coming, though. Yeah. Um, but the pro- it's got to work. I mean, right. it's it been tested and all. Um, but just, just the sheer fact of, unless if you're so adverse to Xbox, you know, games, then you might, Stadia might still have a shot. But I think the main thing that this is going to do is it's no longer, it's going to revolutionize um at least in future when you know the you know 5g 6g or whatever's coming um is allowing you to do this without a wireless connection it's going to change you know car rides you know plane you know on a plane if you're allowed to do it um you know just stuff like that where you you know you would only be able to bring your you know where switches dominate it um you know the past five years i think that's an interesting point because this will now, being so portable, might di- dip into that Switch market. At least I feel like. Well, so the thing with Nintendo is there's a whole different section of uh, customers that Nintendo caters to that it won't really dig as much into it as a Stadia would get, mm-hmm. you know, get dug into. Right. Um, because people still buy Nintendo stuff for Nintendo. Um, so they don't have to worry about that. It's that Stadia doesn't have any first-party stuff. Um, is, is the main thing it's going to kill it unless it starts getting first-party stuff. Um, now that xCloud might work. Um, but essentially, I think that's what it, it's just going to change the the idea of... And if you can do it with one person playing on a console and another person playing on the same account on something else in the same room or same house, it, you know, it makes sibling things easier. You know, you, you know there's no, you know, this is so-and-so's time on the Xbox, this is, you know... Just little stuff like that that we don't think about um, mm-hmm. too much will change if this all works. Uh, I think that's the main caveat, as I've, I've said multiple times. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it's a great idea. It's it's something that I'm sure Sony has something in the works. Um, but Microsoft has been so out in front of this that if they, if they get it first, like how the iPhone basically, you know, is dominates the smartphone, you know, zeitgeist per se, even if some of the other phones may be technically better. Yeah, um, I mean, we've we've talked about it previously, how this is kind of the... We're kind of thinking that this is going to be the iPhone of streaming services, finally. Because there were smartphones before the iPhone, but the iPhone kind of perfected yeah. it. Yeah, that's, that's the whole thing. If Microsoft can hit this well and just... They let Stadia test run the market. Um, they see what works and doesn't work. And maybe things they had in their system as well, they were able to change. Um, it's just, I think they're doing, they're taking a lot of really good chances, an aggressive chance here, because they know they got their asses kicked in the last ge- console generation um, at the beginning. 
So they don't want to be in that position again, have to play catch up for seven years um, with Sony. So I think this is the first step. I think um, I think there's going to be a thing with, uh, you know, being able to, you know, tie. Um, I guess does this work on an Xbox One? Because I think that might be the other thing in the future they might do to be able to stream, you know, things. Well, isn't there like a new or an Xbox Series X that's specifically for streaming? Oh, lock something. Lockhart. Yeah. 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 So there's also something called Xbox console streaming, which um, you need to have an Xbox already. You need to have an Xbox. uh, But yeah, it will. You can stream from one Xbox to another is basically what it is. You have to have to have one Xbox in one place, and you can stream from that Xbox to, um, like a a Lockhart or something of that nature. Yeah, and I think this is just my one final thought for move on to your thoughts. Um, I think the other news that came out today that they're stopping production on Xbox One Xs um, and the old digital, you know, the Xbox Sad, um, <laughs> uh, with Series X ramping up, shows me that they're gonna they're going to push into this xCloud thing to be like, hey, if you didn't end up getting an Xbox One X and can't afford Series X here, sign up for this and you can play those games, you know, on your phone or tablet, you know, rather than keeping those things in production, at, you know, leading up to a console launch. So I think the two are married um, and I'm probably not a genius for seeing that. Um, it's probably very obvious for people in the business world, but um, they're going to keep producing the S um you know just because that'll be the the old you know uh back when the xbox one came out when when matrix said uh you know we have a system for people who can't play online it's called the xbox 360 Um, well there's there's a reason don matrix does not work there anymore (laughs) yeah so the s is going to be that without them saying it it's going hey if you can't afford this this thing's going to be like 199 dollars 150 and you'll get all smart delivery stuff you know where some of these Series X games will still play on that. Um, but yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm curious to hear what you guys think about that. So um, a little bit of background of me, about me. I used to work for a hosting company. I was a Citrix admin, which is streaming desktops um, to very low power workstations so that you um, can get very like cheap workstations and put them through the whole business. Um, and then you just have good servers that run the do all the actual processing. Um, so with that background, I think that game streaming is dumb, and I have no interest in it. Um, <laughs> I understand why Microsoft wants to do it because it's. I mean, I remember a long time ago hearing that um, MMOs would make so much money from their subscription fees that it didn't matter that everybody left, they would still keep the servers running because um, even if they had like tens of thousands of people or whatever for like, I think Final Fantasy XI got that low or is that low. Um, they're still running it because it doesn't cost them that much. And they've just made so much money that they're just like, whatever, just leave the server on um, and nobody will get mad at us. Um, don't need to update it. Don't need to improve the game at all. Nobody expects that. Um, and it's something like, yeah. They make a ridiculous amount of money from the subscription fees. So I understand Microsoft wanting to do it um, because you make hand, money hand over fist. However, I there was a news article recently that um, games for the next generation are costing like two to three hundred percent of what they used to on yep. the current generation. And so to me, 
the it seems like the real problem is getting people to finding a way to be able to sell cheaper games like smaller games um games with that are like not in 4k with massive worlds because if you can do that or because there are a lot of people who like playing games but don't them don't want them to be like video gamey video games like um i guess last of us 2 because it's on still sort of on people's brains um huge world lots of uh lots of narrative and voiceover big name actors um ridiculous amount of work on the art and particle effects and all that stuff uh, people who aren't already bought into video games don't care about that stuff and i also don't really care about that stuff <laughs> i have soul Calibur running right now and <laughs> this is like these cutscenes, they're plenty good for me. This is original Soul Calibur on the Dreamcast. Um, these cutscenes are plenty high enough quality for me. When you're in the actual game, then it's a bit pixelated. But <laughs> if you did slightly better resolution than the Dreamcast, then it seems fully immersive and everything, um, or immersive enough for me. And um, so I think that was a long rambling story, but I think that. <laughs> <laughs> the trick is that um, big companies need to find a way to get people to be on board with them making smaller games so that they can sell them cheaper or at the same price. Um, and then if you do that, then machines don't need to be as powerful. And so you can have um, new games running on Xbox One X or um, the SAD, like you... Um, <laughs> Even if Microsoft has stopped making those things, that doesn't mean they're going to disappear. Yeah. <laughs> Tom's Tom's basement is testament to that. Consoles don't <laughs> go away when the um, companies stop making new ones, yeah. making like new actual or stop manufacturing the products. Um, so I have a feeling. Okay, there's multiple things with this that I'm trying to say. One, I think that um, people are gonna who want cheaper consoles, who don't want to spend as much on hardware, are probably going to buy used xbox ones and um they will still be able to play new games because of the backwards compatibility stuff additionally anybody who didn't get an xbox or um didn't get a console in this generation has what five years of backlog that they can go through yeah um additionally a lot of those games are available on pc and microsoft has been working hard to have everything be available on pc so you could also get a lower end pc to be able to run all this stuff, um, especially, yeah. Then um, the getting back to streaming, because I, I know, I'm sorry, I'm all over it's the place okay. right now. Oh, okay. welcome, um, welcome to the but, game pod. <laughs> yeah, so getting back to streaming itself, when you are streaming something, um, you will always have lag. And um, if you, your internet is not good enough, then you will have, okay. If your internet is not good enough when you're streaming something, you will have problems with lag. You will have problems with the um, frame loss, and you will have problems with the resolution compression. Because um, when you're streaming something, the easiest way to get better performance is to just degrade the resolution. The thing is, if um, my experience living in the US for the past, uh, well, for my whole life, is that it doesn't matter how much you pay for internet, it will never be good. You will always <laughs> have times where your internet is suddenly um, suddenly goes out or you suddenly have a huge um, lag spike or you randomly get kicked off the internet or any stuff like that. And I understand that a lot of that is just um, 
That's not necessarily that ISPs are malicious, even if I do think that ISPs are malicious, but just things happen and the internet is complex. And so it, you, it's streaming something that is as sensitive to timing as gaming sounds insane to me. Um, and I, I just know that I would never be happy with it. Um, yeah, I, I, and so, I told, yeah. go ahead, finish, finish. With... <laughs> and so I would much rather um, just not play the biggest, latest games than have to stream stuff. Yeah, I, I totally understand that. That This was my argument from the beginning with Stadia, was that internet was not good enough yet. Especially when they wanted to do, like, 4K streaming. Now, yeah. <laughs> now the big difference here is we're not streaming to a TV. We're streaming to a mobile device, which is much less, much less power that they need to push through those pixels like we were talking about. The amount of the amount of resolution is way less and it should help a lot. You're still going to have latency. You're still not going to be I would never play like an FPS or a competitive game. or a fighting game on like one of these services never. And I totally understand that. But if I want to like sit down and play, I don't know, um like a Fallout or something, you know, something slow and methodical and I don't have to or a or Final Fantasy even, any of the like turn-based Final Fantasies. Um, and Such since as they're all right, exactly. Um, yeah. But yeah, like they're, they're all you can you can pl- still play these things and deal with latency a little bit. I would never want to play a platformer with latency like that. Um, but again, with the price increase also of games coming, this is going to be a very viable alternative for say you know a teenager. Or someone who, in, uh, or a college kid, uh, who you know, they they're the amount of money they can spend on a, a game might only be you know twenty bucks a month, and that will cover Game Pass Ultimate. If they have a phone and a controller, they can play it. That's yeah. where I'm coming well, from. I I agree with what you said, but for opposite reasons. <laughs> I think that um, Game Pass is the solution for those people because it's relatively low monthly cost and you get access to a huge variety of stuff. Um, I, I can't imagine not having Game Pass right now um, with the way things currently are. Then um, I, there's also free-to-play games, which are specifically for that market for that purpose. Um, you spend a small amount of money. I mean, the intention is for you to spend like a small amount of money every month um, and you play the game a ridiculous amount. Um, there was something else I wanted to say. I forgot it. Never <laughs> that mind. happens all the time. <laughs> okay. uh, the, I, I think my one main point that I think um, that I don't think the three of us think about so much um, is that um, if we have a gamer parent, I think this will solve a lot of problems if they you know, don't have the money for multiple consoles um, with siblings around the same age. Um, you know, especially unless the kids love Roblox or you know, Fortnite, then this doesn't really matter. But if you, if the kids are really into Xbox and wanted to, but they want to play separate games in the house, you don't have that fight anymore, you know, uh, between them. You can even have them both play on their, their tablet. Um, I don't know where that comes in money wise for Microsoft, but I think little issues like that, um, I think having xCloud run well on a phone with an Xbox, um, or, or I'm sorry, with an Xbox controller, you know, allows for those situations. And I would have loved to have had it for the bus rides, 
you know, that I had up and back from Penn State, you know, um, those four to six hour bus rides, you know, being able to play, like you said, I would never play a fighting game or anything. Sports game, maybe it'll be a little frustrating as I'm finding out with latency on MVP baseball, playing it through an emulator. Um, but I would be able to, you know, take that and do that. I think, I think the main thing what they're trying to do, and I don't know if it's going to work. Uh, we'll revisit this in November and see in December when these consoles come out. But I've said on this on this podcast before that I think the next generation to get almost all the games you need, um, all you have to do is have Game Pass Ultimate for PC um, and buy a PS5. Like, I don't see a reason if you have a really good computer buying a Series X. And I Cap don't X. know if that hurts Cap Microsoft or not. You have to have a really good computer. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's the caveat. <laughs> if yeah. you don't have a really good computer, I would say buy a Series X. Honestly, yeah. uh, like if you don't have a console or whatever and you want something that's going to be top of the line, the specs they're talking about that's going into these new consoles beats most most, you know, high end PCs, which doesn't make any sense. We, we all still have to see it to believe it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I think obviously for somebody that was like me. A few years ago with a shitty pre-built computer and all that you know it'd probably be cheaper in the long run to, to buy the consoles but i think that market i they're really banking on game pass ultimate you know um carrying them through people that they may lose um that already have high npcs that like xbox games um yeah. so yeah i'm just i'm more curious on my end to see if sony responds with anything like the rumors of their cloud thing being uh, um, what's called backwards compatible stuff, like being able to, you know, stream through the cloud playing PS1, 2, and 3 games. Um, yeah. If that's I've, their response, but... I feel like they're going to go with a Switch Online style thing, only it'll be streaming, yeah. but I don't know how it's going to work. Yeah, it, it, I, this, I, is, this is the most curious console generation that I've seen in a while because it's... It's way different than any other one, um, just oh, because yeah. these consoles are becoming mini PCs or already mini, mini PCs, um, so they're not as closed off um, as they were even seven years ago. Uh, so yeah, this XCloud stuff just throws another wrench into. All right, what you know, what <laughs> what is this? What is November going to look like with these systems? Like Sony's ordering five million more, you know, PS5s. To be ready to go for demand yeah uh, you know is it going to be are we going to have a wii ps2 situation where you can't find anything for months or are have they overestimated especially with the pandemic you know it's just going to be a disaster i think it's it, it it's really going to be interesting um for lack of a better word because interesting is when you use that when you can't really think of better words um for situations going yeah, forward I mean, I I totally agree with you. I mean, there's it's it's definitely going to be like a a free for all cuz we again, we don't know we still don't know anything. If we knew anything about the consoles, like if we saw them actually run something, it'd be one thing, but we haven't really we still really haven't seen anything of importance at least. So, we're just going to have to wait and see. I mean, as of right now, they're supposed to be showing off more stuff for Xbox next week. So hopefully we'll have something to talk about next week. Yeah. Uh, um, but yeah, right now it's all it's all up in the air. But 
it's exciting. It's exciting because it's different. We have different options, and that's the beauty of gaming, is having options. Well, I think we talked the shit out of that. So let's move on to our retro roulette game this week, which is Soul Calibur for the Sega Tom, Dreamcast. You said it wrong, Tom. It's Soul Calibur. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love that Soul Calibur is like Resident Evil and the fact that you have to say it like that. Like Resident Evil <laughs> needs to pause. Resident, yeah. You know, and people like got pissed when the remakes didn't have that in there. <laughs> And, and so one of the reasons I want to have Jonathan on tonight is because little did I know he is a Soul Calibur connoisseur and is super... I also did not know that. <laughs> <laughs> but he's super into the, the lore of it, which I didn't even realize was a thing until I streamed the game last week. And Jonathan's sitting here telling me all, all about this stuff while we're on stream. And uh, I just want to get I want to get your your overall thoughts about this game first and then we'll go into the lore and stuff yeah so okay i have my notes broken into multiple parts here um okay. so i have also been playing um so you played soul calver on stream i was playing some at the same time and then afterwards i saw that soul calver 6 is on game pass right now and as we already talked about i obviously have game pass because i can't imagine not having it and so <laughs> i was playing that with my brother who is really into fighting games. Um, so most of what I'm going to say also applies to Soul Calibur 6, but um, I'm going to try to keep this focused on Soul Calibur 1. So um, on the stream, we mentioned that the um, combat feels really similar to action games, um, as opposed to, I also played Tekken 6 not that long ago. Um, it feels like, Soul Calibur is less focused on combos than, um, well, let me just back this up. So my brother, who is very good at fighting games and is much more in tune with them than me, said that he's really, he's liking Soul Calibur 6 a lot more than Tekken because um, it feels like it's a lot more about counterplay and spacing than it is about doing the right combos, like being able to pull off complex combos. Mm -hmm. um, so it feels more like, I guess, feels more like a dance. Um, and Soul Calibur 1 is a lot more about those um, doing like quarter circle X and stuff like that to pull off your combos. However, um, the first time I picked it up, it did still have that same feel where um, it feels like it's a lot more about knowing your weapon and being at the right spacing and all that stuff than um, non-weapon fighting games. Yeah, I understand. Um, yeah. Um, additionally, yeah, that there's good variety between the characters, like the speed and the reach and all that stuff. Um, I, I guess I specifically have to call out Voldo, who's just so weird. Um, <laughs> it's really, if you, yeah, if you're not used to like how Voldo moves, he's yeah. just ridiculous to fight against because you're like, why is that guy curling up in a ball on the ground except backwards? <laughs> um, is he blocking? Is he attacking? I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah. And then um, you said you want to talk about the lore later. I have a long explanation about why yeah, I like that. Let, um, let's, but yeah, let's, you guys talk let's first. Let's just do like overall play. thoughts real yeah. quick. Yeah. So, Mark, did, yeah. how much did you actually play and what were your... 
Um, I got through thought. three or four arcade modes um, with it. I started off with the aforementioned weird guy at first, and I thought my uh, emulator was broken. <laughs> um, well, because it was the same emulator that I used when I tried to play World Series Baseball 2K1, and the pitchers started inside the mound. Um, so I thought the emulator was broken. Um, so I beat an arcade with him, um, and I just basically went down the list and just played it. Um, but yeah, it, it, it reminded me like that I played a lot more of two than I did this one. Um, yeah, I think, especially, I, I think a lot of people did. I think yeah, a lot of people probably played 12 times. Two had two. the eight on eight fighting, if I remember correctly. Um, not eight on eight on the same screen, but you had like teams. Um, like this has the team battle. I don't know if it's eight on eight or four on four in this one. Um, it but, was four on four, I believe. Yeah. So I remember playing that in, in dorm rooms and stuff, the eight on eight. But um, yeah, everything Jonathan said is, is, is correct in terms of, you know, knowing the weapon you have is probably the biggest key to playing this game. Um, because even without knowing the move sets or going into practice or figuring out the quarter circles and all, all those combo stuff, um, if you don't understand what your weapons do um, or their, or their, their range, um, you can get your ass kicked by some of the other um, people, uh, especially was it Clinic, the one that has the, the bow staff? or um, Killick. Killick, that's it. Um, yeah. He's, you know, if, if you don't know how to get inside that. Um, he's, he's one of those guys that you don't allow people to use, like, in a friendly tournament. So, <laughs> now nah, you can't use him. Yeah, you got to figure out how to get inside that swing or dodge it or whatever. But, yeah, I did have a lot of fun playing it. Uh it, it reminded me of, you know, why I like some of those older fighting games, because I feel like um, you can have fun with it uh, without getting deep into all the movesets, um, which is a problem I've had with any time I've started, um, you know, Street Fighter 4 um, and even the later Tekkens and stuff like that, um, is, is I always felt that, you know, when you're playing other people, if you don't know combos and, and everything like that, you're just going to get your ass kicked, or it doesn't look great, or, you know, I tried playing the Killer Instinct on Microsoft, and or on the Xbox um, One, and it's just, it's reminded me of a day when I would play games with my friends that like fighting games, and just kind of, at times, if we did random, you know, just mashing my way through a fight, um, because I never played as that person before, which I feel like you can't really do now, but I could be wrong, I don't play enough fighting games, uh, but yeah, I'm glad, glad I got to play it, um, it was a good nostalgia trip, um, it made me uh, download Power Stone, but I have not played that yet because that was the Dreamcast fighting game I played the most. Uh, but yeah, yeah, that's my overall thoughts on it. It's it's fun. Um, I wonder how much more fun it would be two player, um, you know, because that's the way I mainly played those games. But yeah, and then I told the story. I think it was on the stream that I had randomly picked up Soul Calibur Five and beat through it, and this will lead into um, as we go into the lore a little bit later. Um, where they had, like, surprise reveals in Soul Calibur V of, like, characters and stuff. And I, I'm assuming you're I'm supposed to have a reaction like, oh, shit, you know. And I just was like, I have no idea who that person is. No, no clue. And I had no reaction from me playing that. Um, so it was, it's, it's, uh, I like fighters that have crazy lore. That's one of the big draws of why I keep wanting in my head to play the last three Mortal Kombat's because of how ridiculous that story is um, and just stupid ways. But, uh, yeah, 
yeah, I'm looking forward to the lore dump coming up because I find those things fascinating. Yeah, so I I played the game on stream and I was surprised at not I guess not how easy, but how easy it was to pick up. Most fighting games, if you don't know what you're doing, you get your ass handed to you over and over and over. And one um one game I can think of specifically was the newest Killer Instinct. I know when I was playing that, I was getting my ass handed to me all the time. No matter like no matter what I did. I even if I practiced, I would still get my ass kicked. Um but I I feel like this game because like we like Jonathan alluded to, it plays more like an action game. Uh and having the weapon kind of gives you something to strategize around. Um like there's no fireballs, there's nothing like that in this in this game. <laughs> uh, so you have to kind of base your style around the the character that you picked and the um, the type of weapon they have. Um, personally, I like uh, Nightmare and his other characters along the way. I, I, who did we say he was in Soul Calibur 2? Uh, Nightmare is Siegfried? Is that what you're talking about? Siegfried, yes. That's Because when I played Soul Calibur 2, I always used Siegfried because I like the guy with the giant sword. Big big uh, surprise there. The guy who likes Cloud Strife has like the guy with the giant sword. Um, but yeah, uh, it's very easy to pick up. I, I must have beat the arcade mode four or five times on stream, uh, which is pretty good for me, who is not a fighting game person normally. Um... But overall, gameplay, really easy to pick up, but there's a thousand different moves and combos you can you can go in and practice, which I didn't feel the need to, but you don't have to button mash in order to hope that you're going to survive when you're playing it. But that leads me to all of this. After you beat arcade mode, it gives you a pretty short but interesting story about the characters. And Jonathan... All of a sudden, on stream, realized I have to know all about this. So I want to. <laughs> I, I want to hear uh, where your journey took you. Yeah. Okay. So um, I am not. Um, so it's less that I was like, oh man, this seems like a lot of deep lore. I want to invest or uh, um, dig into all this deep lore. It's so. It's that I just it. The story stuff in so in the Soul Calibur games is some of the best sword and sorcery fiction that I have read in quite a while. Um, so when what Tom's talking about is he beat the game with specifically Yoshimitsu. And mm-hmm. when you beat it with Yoshimitsu, um, the story is something like Yoshimitsu smashed Soul Edge. For those who didn't play the game, Soul Edge is the evil sword, as opposed to Soul Calibur, which is the good sword. That's all there is to it. That's all the, all the lore <laughs> you need to know for this game. Um, okay, so Yoshimitsu smashed Soul Edge. Um, but then the e- parts of the evil sword tainted Yoshimitsu's sword, and he said, oh no, my sword, it's corrupted, how could this happen? And that's it. That's, like, the whole story. Um, <laughs> and I was like, man, this is so dumb and earnest, and, um, like, it's just a couple of lines, but that gives you a very clear picture of, like, who Yoshimitsu's character is, because he's, that's such an, um, familiar archetype that um they they go with that little bit of stuff and you're like oh yeah i know exactly who this guy is because i have watched a movie before um and so when i mean when i say sword and sorcery fiction fiction 
I'm talking about stuff like um, the Conan the Barbarian stories and um, pulp fantasy, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, all of those things. So if you, when you read those stories, um, going by like, I feel like most people would probably say that they are poorly written, but, um, and also because those, some of those are like close to a hundred years old now, um, it's all stuff that we're really familiar with. And so there will be like stories uh, where the twist um, is some movie monster that you're really familiar with. Like, I think Conan was written in the 30s, and that's about the time that we had the first zombie movie in the U.S., like the first time that people in the U.S. heard about zombies. So stuff like that that everybody's really familiar with was brand new then. So when you read the story now, it seems really campy and cliche because this is where the cliches came from. Um, Yep. But the thing with these stories is that they have really vivid descriptions um, and flowery languages, flowery language, and um, like I said, really familiar melodramatic characters. Um, for <laughs> uh, nowadays, it seems like um, saying that something is anime is uh, just a synonym for saying melodrama, and so um, you could also think of it as being like very anime storytelling. Um, but so the thing with Soul Calibur is that it's not just doing the stuff. Or it, I guess I'm really making assumptions here. It feels like um, it's not just using these cliche stories or um, really familiar archetypes because it's boring or because they're lazy. It's that um, instead, like I said, really earnest, that they just really like these over-the-top characters and they think that they're cool. And so they the little bit of lore that they have in Soul Calibur and the later games have a lot more of it, like the storytelling stuff is just um, really engaging because of that. Um, I have an anecdote about this proving my point. So my brother went into the story mode in Soul Calibur 6 and he was like, this seems really dumb. His first words when he saw like the prologue and stuff, he was like, this seems really dumb. And also the fighting is really easy. So I don't know how much I'm going to do with this. It seems kind of boring. And then about... 40 about like 30 45 minutes later he was like man as well is so is so funny i really like this guy uh, he's, he's just ignoring your he's just ignoring everybody while he's going on about his evil plans and i was like yeah anthony i told you <laughs> that, that's what this story is um yeah, yeah it's like the, the the best parts about um those stories just to, to uh jump in before you, you continue um is like having those those simple hooks and things like that where something can look boring and dumb, uh, but you, like your brother did, just ended up loving it by the end. Is why the uh, I don't know the full story behind it, but I but like why everybody remembers the volcano part of Tekken, you know, um, you know, or in you know Mortal Kombat, you know, everybody knows the you know don't know the full story, but you know they know you know the uh, you know, that, you know, Sub-Zero and Scorpion are, you know, now rivals or whatever ends up happening in the new thing. Um, and it's just, and just the dumb explanations for all that is just great because in an, in an era where we, everything needs to be realistic and grounded in storytelling, you know, and one of my favorite games of the year, you know, uh, did that to the nth degree. Um, it's fun having these little, um, and ties into to Jonathan's thing about, you know, sometimes just having a, a, a game 
where you can have a podcast on in the background and just, you know, mindless and have fun with it and have a, have a, you know, engaging story like that. Um, it's something you just need. And that's why I was, I'm glad to hear that Soul Caribur has kept that through all the way to six. Me too. We need, we need this kind of storytelling because with, without games like this, like you wouldn't, you wouldn't even, you wouldn't realize that this was a thing in the past and we wouldn't be able to talk about it now. Is there, is there any more great lore, John? I'm, I'm a hundred percent serious when I say <laughs> um, I love this stuff. Let's see. Uh, I think I'm trying to think. Um, I mean, so I played, I think like Soul Calibur three when I was younger. Um, and the one thing, the main thing that I remembered from that is that Cervantes is an evil undead pirate and he's really cool. And that's, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Just that line, it's deep evil as it undead pilot. Yeah. <laughs> that is deep as it needs to be. Yeah. Um, oh, I, love it. I have a note about that. Um, okay. So I was talking to another friend when I was booting up Soul Calibur and um, my brother was trying to say, wait, who is it who uses the Chinese sword? And um, I had a, a third friend on in the chat at the same time. And he was like, that's Shanghua. We're like, what? How do you know that? And he was like, because I played Soul Calibur 3, and I remember the characters <laughs> um, based on their weapon. She's the one who uses the Chinese sword. And we're like, no, it's somebody else. They use like a short sword or a machete or something like that. And he was like, oh, that's got to be so-and-so. I don't remember who it was even. Um and just, I think that's a testament to how good these character designs are, that somebody could remember a character from you saying the name of the type of weapon that they use. Yeah. 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 I love it. And it's, it's, it, for whatever reason, it seems that it's still popular. Like, Soul Calibur, was it five or six that just came out? Six. Six. Now you can create your own characters, which is the <laughs> most ridiculous thing about it. It's hilarious. Um, but I love the fact that this game is still living on. A lot of retro games that we play here and talk about, they're one and done or two and done, but Soul Calibur still lives on and the lore lives on. They haven't rebooted it that I know of. Like, it's all still the same guys. Um, it's not like, you know, it's not like Mortal Kombat where they've rebooted the universe seven times. Um, well, yeah, Mortal Kombat does trilogies. It, which yeah. you don't notice until you look back on it, um, where like one, two, and three are one set of stories. Four, five, and six is one set, you know, and then um, you know, and then nine to eleven is one. And I believe was there actually a seven or eight, or were those the the Mortal Kombat versus game they did? But um, they were probably yeah, they're probably the versus ones if yeah. I can remember correctly, like DC Universe and all that yeah. stuff. Yeah, but it's just that. That's what those games are. Um, that's why a movie, in terms of real movies, why, as terrible as it is, you, people of a certain generation will have, like, fond memories, whether they liked it or not, of, like, the first Mortal Kombat and Street Fight. You know? The movie's great. What are you talking about? The Mortal Kombat movie's <laughs> great. The first Mortal Kombat movie it's is very good. good. Yeah, I'll I give will, it that. Yeah. I, yeah. Will not, I will not deny that. Yeah, Annihilation's garbage, but... Um, yeah, then the Street Fighter movie, it, the best part about the Street Fighter movie is, you know, outside of the sad fact that that is Raul Julia's last role, um, is that he was having a ton of fun playing, but, like, it just came through in the screen. Like, no matter how terrible and campy and, you know, that movie was, whenever he was on screen, it's like, that's dude, that dude's having fun. I, <laughs> I, 
I am in when he's on. Um, but yeah, because you could, if you do it right, you can have silly movies with fighting game characters, like like real life. Um, you know, or you know, like Pacific or, Rim. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. That's yeah. Uh, don't get Dan started on having let's, four helicopters please, carry. Please, let's <laughs> yes. not. Dan, do not at me about this. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> I love how they solved Dan's specific problem with Pacific Rim in the second movie when they gave him jetpacks. It. <laughs> I, I think if you're wondering about the practicality of how those robots work, you super robot stuff is just not for you. Yeah. No, he loves it. It's just funny. It was just that was his one critique of it. His one. All right, we're gonna get into it now. Yeah. His one critique of the movie was that he thought that uh, helicopters could not carry these gigantic robots. And my argument was, if they can make gigantic fighting robots that are nuclear powered, I'm sure they can make a helicopter that can carry it. <laughs> yeah. I, I I just brought it up because I love that fact that in the second one. They specifically solved that problem. And I wonder if it was a complaint from a whole lot of people. <laughs> I hope not. Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh, but anyway, last thought. The, you know, you can do fighting game movies pretty poorly. Like, um, what is it? The Dead or Alive movie is pretty terrible. Um, I forgot there was a Dead or Alive movie. Yeah, it's got Kevin Nash in it. Um, the, um, you know, you can, you know, do that. Or you can have, you know, the fondly remembered other two we mentioned. Um, but I think that's one of the reasons why I always, in my head, want to play a fighting game, just to play the arcade mode, to see the stupid, um, and I say stupid lovingly, um, uh, stories they come up with. I mean, hell, all arcade games, like fighting games like that, we, we made the discussion of, you know, WWF, the arcade game, has like these stupid endings that have nothing to do with wrestling when you beat the game with a character. Like, you know, I tell the story, Razor Ramon, like, takes his title back to an orphanage in Cuba. For some reason, <laughs> one reason or another, <laughs> you know, and it's just that you can you can have fun with fighting game stories because essentially the game is just two people fighting in an arena. So anything you can do to make that more than just that, um, you have liberty to do that. And I love when games have fun with their lore. It's half the reason why I am a dungeon master, because just doing really like dumb lore like that. Like, um, yeah, the, uh, like, stupidly in our Stranger Damies, me putting in the Green Lantern, you know, as some kind of, cap, you know. Just to appease Dan. Just, just you know, not to bring up Dan again, but, <laughs> you know, just, just doing something like that that, like, has no real effect um, on the story in general, but is just a sort of dumb thing that fun way. And I feel like everybody that writes lore for fighting games knows that and gets the camp and just goes for it. Um, and it, it's why the ones that are still around are still around because they didn't try to take fighting games in a different, or they were just boring, like virtual fighter, um, in terms of story that even if there is a story, I don't remember it at all. Um, but I do remember all this stuff in the fighting games that we've mentioned on here that I've experienced. Piggybacking on that, when you boot up Soul Calibur six, um, the first line of the intro is a tale of swords and souls eternally retold. And I like how they they started up by saying exactly what you were just praising them for. Yeah. Um, just continuously making these games over and over and over again and telling the same story again. Just yeah. changing it, it doesn't matter. But yeah. just the same the same stuff. 
So I like how the game starts up with, yeah, baby, we're just going to keep pumping these out forever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All we got to do is change a couple things, add a new character. There's a stupid twist to him. And boom. Boom. He's now, somebody's now, father. It's it's amazing. We did yeah, it. It's it's like how in Tekken, where characters will come back from the dead, I believe, in that game. Um, not in a Mortal Kombat way, where they're technically undead versions of their character. Right. Um, but, I, you know. I think in the real... Or the original, I don't remember if it was Tekken or Tekken 2, the final boss is either an angel or a devil. And then yeah. when you beat arcade mode enough times, you unlock a panda bear as a character. <laughs> so, I mean, it does not surprise me that they're like, oh, no, that person came back to life. Yeah. I mean, yeah. look at, like, Fighting Vipers, where you can literally fight as the Daytona USA car. It's just like, where did they come up with this stuff? Yeah, that... <laughs> That stuff's great. Yeah, I, I still think, and uh, yeah, probably my, my last thought on this, I still think the funniest thing in um, is when Mortal Kombat has guest characters, and I think with all the stuff they do, it the funny part is I think they had Jason in the game, either 10 or 11, um, and just the sheer uh, fact. Well, they had Jason, and they had Terminator, and, and all kinds of Robocop. Yeah, well, Robocop's in this one. If it's not like Robocop from WCW days, I don't know about it. Um, but, you know, just as your fact that Jason is just, he's just a brute with a machete. And, you know, all this other stuff is about ninjas. And it's just really dumb that he's in the game. I really wish they did story stuff with those guest characters, because I would love to see, you know, the NetherRealm writers find out a stupid reason why Jason is in the Mortal Kombat tournament. Um, but, yeah, it, it, it's all fun. Um, you know, so I'm glad I'm glad it, this was the fighting game that came up on our list first. Yeah, it was uh, it was fun. I I w- would like to know what you guys are gonna score it. I'll go first. Uh, I think I I would give it. Um, I'd probably say four. You know, I'm leaning. You know, because it, it for what it's supposed to be, it does everything correctly. The story, lore is great. Um, you know, the only thing it's given me you know, sort of pause and thinking three and a half is because I think the other game, a couple of the other games after it are much better. Um, and you want to leave some wiggle room without naming a fighting game five out of five. Um, <laughs> but yeah, for everything it's supposed to be, um, it's still very playable in the year 2020. Um, you know, it's not, it's not like going back and trying to play some of those, you know, um, you know, uh, PS1 era fighting games that are a little bit different when they were trying 3D for the first time. Um, or even even early Virtual Fighter is still tough in the few times I tried to, you know, play it on emulators. Um, but yeah, so I'll say four, just because it did what it did, um, and it did it well. And I think the Dreamcast was a system that was way ahead of its time in terms of what it tried to do with the materials it had at the time um, to do it with. And I think if Sega didn't panic... Um, because of how badly they screwed up the Saturn, um, they could still be in the market with hardware. I agree. I'm with you. Jonathan, how about you? Um, I don't like numbered reviews, but um, I I think this game is good enough. I would still be willing to pay like five, ten bucks for, if this came out now. Okay. Uh, and all, I think it does hold up, like Mark said. Um, this one's still definitely worth playing. That's fair enough. As a, a, a Yeah. As long as you think it's worth playing, that's that's good enough, I think, for uh, everybody. I, myself, am going to give it a three and a half, just because there were still things that I couldn't figure out how to do. Even after beating it four or five times, 
I it was still kind of button button mashing for me, but that's probably could be my fault. Could be my fault. There's a, a very good practice mode, and it shows you all different kinds of combos and things to do. But for me, I give it a three and a half. I I did enjoy it though, and I am planning on it being part of our extra live stream if we happen to be in person doing that. So we shall see how that goes. All right, I guess it's time to spin the wheel. All right, interesting, interesting right after a fighting game. We're going to be playing Punch-Out for the NES. I have thoughts about this game. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this might be the game I've probably played more than anybody here. I've probably never played it. Be- so. If you've beaten the game, yeah, you probably oh, no. played it well more than I have. I have gotten to the second bald ball fight. Okay. Um, which is the one that you need to knock them down with star punches, and I had forgotten about that. Um, and just never went back to that save on my 3DS. Um, <laughs> I have never beat Tyson. Um, I haven't either. Played... Oh, but by the way, I will allow either Mike Tyson's Punch Out or Punch Out. You can yeah, you can matter. play whichever for, one you want. For as far as we're gonna get, it doesn't matter because unless it's somebody, one of the four of us or three of us as a savant, in terms of picking up this game, getting the Tyson without just putting in the code, um, will take more than two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> to do because those fights in the third division are no joke like, yeah i would say yeah i would say after the second division it it's a different game for sure yeah i can say with full confidence and i did this in front of ant and dan at too many games that i can get through the first two things without much um which isn't saying much that's that's like the beginning that's like the first two things yeah. um it's that second um chapter where i can get up the soda popinski pretty reliably um Maybe I'll stream it this Monday, um, just to show okay. that. But um, um, or we can find a way to both stream it because I think it takes me like a half hour to get through um, the first two sections. Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Soda Popinski was the bane of my existence for 25 years, <laughs> um, and I finally beat him on a plane back from John's wedding, the, and the, it was the, two o'clock uh, in the morning, and I couldn't I celebrate did, on the plane. Did you fist pump in that that oh, red eye flight? Oh yeah. <laughs> and tried not to scream because it's 25 years or more probably if I did the math correctly um, that I've not been able to beat that guy um, and I did it with the sound of those airplanes you know even with that's headphones a, on coming through that, that's impressive yeah the um it's it's one of my favorite gaming moments ever <laughs> and nobody was awake to see it that's um, all right but yeah the, the the hardest part um it shouldn't be hard for any of us um but the hardest part about that game um, when you're playing in a crowd or a group of people is when you you, you fight a tiger um, just because a lot of his things are sound cues. Mm-hmm. Um, well, all of them have sound cues because that's how somebody beats the game blindfolded, which, <laughs> by the way, as part of this, I want everybody to watch the blindfolds. Uh, Blindfold speed run? Speed runs. It's yeah. ridiculous. Um, but him in particular, um, if you're not paying attention, you know, he has a sound cue and a, you know, little light up on the, the jewel in his head um, that keys some things off. And I'm curious to see, especially maybe we'll have you start off and I'll do the second half of the stream. I want to see if you get the ball bull one, if you can get the one punch knockdown when he charges you. All right. Because, yeah, that's a that's a skill that I, I picked up um, just from playing it so much. I know there's I, I know there's a visual cue, but I never see it. I use the sound cue that I guess the speedrunners use as well um, for that particular fight. 
Um, so it's be interesting. I'm really excited. I'm excited to see hear Jen's opinion on playing I, this. I am as well because as we've talked about numerous times, Jen is not did not come into gaming until like the N64. So this should be very interesting. Yeah. Interesting All right, to any... hear John's opinion, even if it's just in private chat or on Monday. Yeah. Um, I mean, w- this has been a hell of a podcast. We've uh, we've gone a long way. We've talked about a lot of stuff. <laughs> and if you feel like talking to us about this stuff, you can get to us on Twitter, at GameVaultPod, or also on Instagram, at GameVaultPod. Like I said, I will be streaming this game Monday on our Twitter. Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash GameVaultPod. Uh, and maybe Mark will make a special appearance and do his own run. We'll see. We'll, we'll, we'll get that worked out. Um, uh, we'll, we should be streaming Saturday. Well, you, that'll already happen by, by the time you're listening to this. But if you're listening to this on Monday, I'm streaming Monday night, uh, 9 o'clock. We'll be doing Retro Roulette. Then Wednesday, we'll probably be playing Call of Duty Warzone. Thursday, I think Mark's going to continue with Trails, uh, Trails in the Sky. Friday will be Jenny playing some spooky games on her Friday night Fright Fest stream. Yep, and then Sundays is up in the air. We may continue Civilization. We may not. I basically turned allowed Sunday night to be, um, you know, Dan's choice or Jenny's choice or whoever wants to do a stream that Sunday night as a good end of the week, you know, sort of talk about the week and everything. Yep. So, so just keep right. an eye on uh, Twitter. Do you want to plug all of our other goodies? Yeah. yeah. So uh, uh, we have a D&D podcast called Stranger Damies that airs every Wednesday um, at strangerdamies.podbean.com. You can find it on iTunes, Google Play. Really just search for Stranger Damies. You'll be completely fine in finding it. Um, uh, the episode this week coming up is the end of our latest session. We would have recorded the next session um, uh, before this airs. Um, so, uh, you know, you'll be as caught up to, um, you know, almost where we are, you know, you're not, the audience is not going to be as far behind as they usually are, um, which is exciting. Um, and on Thursday we do, uh, they call this a movie that's, they call this a movie.podbean.com. Um, same thing at Stranger Damies, just search it. You'll be able to find it. Um, Instagram and Twitter for Stranger Damies is Stranger Damies, uh, for, they call this a movie. It's, uh, the main Damies main page. Ant does a good job um, when promoting the uh, movie. We just did Twister um, last Thursday, and we got a bunch of storm chasers to like the Instagram post and comment on it. Um, so I can't wait until they, if they actually listen to the podcast, hear when Ant calls them all bums or hobos or something. <laughs> um, and I said, I said I would love it if they just had that like Alonzo morning gif reaction to that. You know, they're like, kind of like, yeah, I guess we are. <laughs> so um yeah and then obviously we went through the streams and all the stuff with here um you know really twitter's the best place uh to contact and talk to us um we're pretty active on there um at least on the main accounts um like i said i normally don't give out my personal twitter because essentially i just reply to people and post stupid gifts and talk about sports so not much connection to anything the other the other <laughs> podcasts do um so uh, if you want to, I'll probably reply to game. You'll, you'll find me on there. Um, but yeah, it's yeah, it's it's getting interesting on both. Uh, they call this movie and Stranger Damies fronts. I like some of the stuff we have coming out for both. Lots of exciting stuff coming down the pipe. Um, all right. Well, it's been a, it's been another good one. 
come check us out on Twitch. Come hang out with us. We've got a, a few new followers recently, and we want to thank thank them for coming out and support. Um, and if you again, if you want to talk to us, come out, come and reach out to us on Twitter. We'll be happy to uh, engage in some some uh, gaming discussion with you guys. Uh, I want to thank Jonathan for coming on. Thank you for filling in this week and giving us all of that beautiful Soul Calibur knowledge. Thanks for inviting me. No problem. Hopefully we can do it again soon. For Mark and Jonathan, I am Tom, and we'll catch you guys on the next one.